one more thing was pretty good, actually. Well worth the trip. Yeah, absolutely. I think... It's not what I want to hear. It's ex- it was excellent. <laughs> Having not made the trip, what I want you to say is, actually, it wasn't worth it. It was a waste of time. You made the right choice. No. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it was enjoyable. What was the uh, what was what was the highlight for each of you? I I don't know. I I know exactly what Ben's highlight is. <laughs> like I know it before I even know my own. I'd have to think about my own, but I know his. Yeah. Mine's right. It obvious. was. It, Do you want to tell me Ben's highlight? I'm going to tell you Go Ben's on. highlight. Yeah. Ben's highlight was finding the uh, the female opposite version of him. The Swedish female. Opposite the version Swedish of him. V- female off- opposite version of him. So. She works on the other side of the world, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does, uh, like, she does exactly what he does. So, works in teams where there's, like, one developer, you know, one one designer and uh, another person. And a play, play designer. Yeah. And like, like a game designer. What? So, I too also know that this was your highlight. This is the Tokabaka. Yes, this is Tokabaka. Representative. Tokabaka would have to be the rock stars of kids- they iPad are. apps. And we definitely look to them for a lot of inspiration. And she spoke at the conference? She and did speak, and it was very good. I think it was the best one. Her speech was very good. Um, I think she found it difficult to answer questions. Yeah, so I yeah. guess we speak fast in an accent, which she we may don't have. have. We so don't have an accent. We definitely have an we accent. Have, I don't know ben has talking. an accent. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she... Her answers were kind of short, but she was much better to speak to afterwards. So, people were asking her questions during the Q&A, and they were getting quite, I guess, short answers. Like, still right, but I think some people wanted more detail. And so, tell me, as someone that that, um, does a very similar thing, Mm -hmm. working on kids' iPad apps, um, other than sort of, you know, the good feeling of hearing from someone with a similar experience what was like the main thing you got from her presentation something you didn't know before or some insight or some technical yeah so one thing we've always speculated on was their time frame for projects Mm -hmm. and i now know that exactly is about six months per app right so tokabok has been around for i think so that's from inception through to delivery yes the idea first occurring to them Yes, but they, I think it might be split sometimes between idea and actually starting working on it because they showed a bit of how they test their ideas. So, they were thinking of making an app about baking Mm -hmm. and they just took some kids, put them in a kitchen uh, with a whole pile of ingredients you would use to bake and just said, bake something. And so, of course, they ended up with a huge mess. So, they basically filled bowls up with water and then dropped an egg in it and then threw some strawberries in it. And then was like, that doesn't look like a cake. And so, they poured a whole pile of flour in and then just poured that into some cupcake molds. That's fantastic. So, they actually created a physical play environment exactly. for kids and watched them play. Exactly. And then used that as a kind of source of inspiration for the sort of digital toys. that they Yeah. Got. And which was even more interesting was that they wrote that idea off because they couldn't recreate the fun of just making a mess on the kitchen bench mm-hmm. well enough to nap. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. So, yeah, they work on their apps for six months, which was what I kind of wanted to find out. Um, And they do the... I was also curious about how many developers they have on the team, and it's just straight one developer, one designer, 
and they have a play designer as well. What, is, what of, is a play designer? They come up with like the idea and the mechanic. Right. It's so, basically a game designer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what? What you know? Designing the thing, the activities that you yeah. do that are fun. Designing the fun. Yeah. So when I say designer, it's more artist. So right, artist, yeah. play designer, developer. Yeah. Which is exactly the same as how we do it. Yeah. So that was really interesting, and they use Coco's two D, which is exactly what we do. And they're thinking about going to Unity, and I think they actually are doing it, which is what we were thinking of doing. So there you go. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was worth clearly. the whole trip. Yeah. Mm. Have you thought of your highlight yet? I was just flipping through my notes. I have a lot of notes. I noticed. I have 12 pages of notes. Thank you. Because it's the next best thing to being there is to be able to read your notes. It'd be almost as if I was there. Almost. Almost. I'll draw, I'll draw pictures of- No, I won't. <laughs> I'm not drawing any more pictures. Not for- Well, not for these notes. Um, I'm going- I am going to publish them, though. So, I, I will say that here on now. So- they will be published by the time this episode has aired. And I am going to read them. So, they will be read. But at least once. Mm. I'm yeah, going to read good. them too. Even though I went. Good. Twice. Good. Totally, totally I'm, worth I'm gonna the have time to that I seriously spent on them. work hard to read them soon because um, I tell you what, WWDC is coming up and those videos will be posted and that might take my priorities. Yeah. Wow. Watching them. So, I've got to try and read your notes before that. I will hopefully have, uh, I mean, we're recording, it's Saturday night, I will hopefully have them up some point tomorrow, and then I'll put a, for the people who are listening and uh, want to read the notes, because you didn't go to, uh, didn't go to one more thing, I've got WWDC on the mind now, Uh, or even if you did, and you just want to, you know, have a bit of a recap, because the videos are probably going to be around for like a few, few more weeks. So, this is a good what's opportunity. What sort of operation are these guys running? I know. Can't have the videos out like the day of the I know. Conference. What, what is this business? It's actually going to be fascinating to see what Apple do this year. Um, it sounds like from the pre, like the media stuff they put out, that they intend to release videos during the conference itself. Well, I heard a rumor that it was going to be within 10 minutes of the talk. Well, and so it should be, right? I mean, they've got a lot of infrastructure for delivering live streaming video. Um, yeah, Google did a good job of the Google I/O keynote that was live to, and they the world. do they do the keynote live yeah, Apple do the every keynote year live. They do not. They, they do. They, they do not do. I swear they do. They do not. You seem very <laughs> certain on this. I am certain. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've just looked it up, and you're correct. It uh, does seem that it's it's not live. Oh, so damn. It hasn't been in the past. The confusion... The con- yeah, it hasn't been in the past. So, the confusion is, is that they do use the word live, but they don't use it in the same way as... They use it in the other way, which is it's now live, like it's it's just gone live, as opposed to it's coming to you live. Right, yes. Yeah? We've just made the keynote live for people to download the pre-recorded one we did earlier. Right, yeah. So, we've just, you know, we've... It's essentially... we've We've published it. It's just a... Different way of saying that, and that's really confusing. Right. Whereas Google actually did I/O live, right? You know, they had a live webcast. Yes. Well, most keynotes and are so live did streamed. so did like Microsoft, yeah. Yeah, like exactly. Xbox One, and the PlayStation One recently. Yeah. And so Apple will certainly have the technology and the technical technical infrastructure there to do it. Um, so I wonder what they'll do this year. Anyway, that's a big aside. Back to one more thing. Indeed. So my highlight. Yeah. My highlight. Actually, the my I think my favorite presentation of all was probably from, I'm not 100% sure how to say his whole name, Simeon Sainz, 
Oh yeah, right. So this is the guy who did. Um, so he's from he's from Two Lives Left, and he um, so he he talked about having like having a story to your app. That one was really good, actually. That's I, probably my second favorite talk. I thought so that was really good. He's also good. the guy that did that um, game engine. Codea. 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 Oh, Codea. Yeah. He, I think he said Codea. Yeah. I, I remember that he said it and I was like, oh, I've been pronouncing it wrong all this time. Like GIF. Yes. Yeah. Just like GIF. Yeah. And GIF. Okay. Let's not even touch that topic. Uh, so- GitHub. But yeah, Oops. he talked about, like, he talked about having a story to your app and uh, he gave a few different, ex- like- um, examples of like what worked and what didn't so you know their first two games that they ever produced didn't have a story to them they were just games and even though they had uh like good mechanics and Mm -hmm. stuff that people hadn't necessarily seen um there was nothing for people to really talk about and um so the second like the the next thing that they did is that they decided that he decided that he wanted to uh you know be able to program games on his ipad so he produced kodaya Mostly for himself, but then he published it and magically it got through. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, and then that spread by itself because it's like the story is kind of inherent, I guess, mm. in that, uh, you know, it's a, it's was the first app that allowed you to, you know, create games on your iPad. And- um, <coughs> Yeah, I want to make a mention of that because one of the App Store guidelines is that you must not download and execute code. Right, so you're not downloading code with it, you're typing code. You're creating code in it. So, he gave a whole pile of examples. I haven't used Kodea, but he said there's a whole pile of examples of they have a forum where you can post your code. And So, do you have to, like, read the forum and then type in the code so that it's not technically downloading and executing code? Or is there, like, share your code with your friends? I I have no idea. Because I want to know how they got around that and if Apple's just turned a blind eye. If anybody knows that, please email us. I should know it because I've I've used Kodea. Um, I've never used it. I've never actually heard we, of it. We awarded a uh, Swipe Design Award last year. All oh, right, for best iPad app um, because it's it's not only a fantastic idea, but it's fantastically executed as well. It's like a great little IDE. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Brett Victor's presentations, yes, writings, the dead so, fish one, and the yeah. So there's kind of a, some similarities in Kodea. It, it makes it that loop of thinking about an idea, trying it out, seeing it happen, and then kind of iterating on that loop um, much quicker. Yep. It's got little little things in the editor for, like, selecting values. You can use your finger to touch and slide to move up and down to change the value of a number and, and stuff like that. It's really cool. Um, I can't remember whether you can access code libraries over the web or whether you have to type them in. Um, yeah, sorry. It's all right. Sure, someone will tell us. So, see, see, I wish I was there. I wish I was, could have seen that presentation. That would have been cool. Yeah. Oh, well, it gets even better. Mm, yeah. The rest. So, you know, so Kodea kind of spread. And uh, then one day he fi- he found, I think through the forums, he said, he found a guy who had, was, had produced a game uh, that had a really good mechanic in it. Uh, and he decided that he wanted to create that game like for like for the ipad and so they used kodea to program a game like to to you know modify that game and make it and clean it up rabbitron or something no 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 No, this is is called ahead yeah that's that's a jump ahead i am a fan this one is uh cargo bot cargo bot yeah i had to look at my notes you beat me to it all my notes are in my head lack of memory (laughs) um what was i talking no uh so 
this game was called something else. I can't remember what it was. I didn't write that down, but uh, it became it got called like they changed the name to Cargo Bot. They cleaned it up, gave it, it better graphics and Robo stuff. Robo Arm. There you go, Robo Arm. Hmm. And uh, and they published it, and they put in the like the menu of the app. They put like a thing that says "Made with Kadea and you know learn how this app was made and stuff. And uh, so that kind of allowed people to explore like the the what was the story of the app, right? Hmm. Uh, and so that did really really work really well for them. Um, and so the next game that they did was Crabatron, uh, which had again a pretty cool mechanic and the slide had like giant crab plus space equals question mark yeah. and then crabatron it was like that that came up because there was a huge amount of uh like technical difficulties that they had bef- before the thing started because they had the wrong slides and that was the slide that everybody kind of saw at first and everybody's like what <laughs> uh, so i got that because i'd seen crabatron yeah see i hadn't and uh so they tried what they tried to do was they tried to actually like uh, produce a story for the app right um, because there was no inherent story in it or anything like that so they designed a page a web page uh, and made a crab starter so it was like a Kickstarter but it, actually it was like a <laughs> oh, yeah, ra- like yeah. a reverse Kickstarter so the app was already on the store and stuff this was just basically the marketing page. Uh, but they had things like live stats on how, like, how much the app had sold and stuff like that. Uh, and the idea was that, um, you know, you, you could buy the app and support this crab starter. Mm. And, uh, and it kind of went everywhere. There was like, there was, uh, the something awful forums yeah. where you can buy avatars for other users. If you pay like ten bucks, and apparently there's some, there was somebody that was buying these crab avatars for everybody and linking them to the. And that part of the to the them. presentation was hilarious because yeah. someone had posted on the forums that something awful had now made more money yeah. from Crabatron than the actual yeah. guys that made Crabatron. Yeah, there was a, there was a few so there was a few quotes up on the screen of hilarious. things like you know, um, it was it was pretty funny. I love honest talks like that. Matt yeah. Rix's talk at last year's one more thing was just this is as the train yard. Yeah, train yard. Mm. Just as honest and open about this is exactly how much money I made. This is what I did wrong. This is yeah. what I did right. And that's what yeah. made this presentation really good as well. Yeah, fantastic. So, the end result of that was that it didn't do very well. And it wasn't because of the, like, it wasn't because of the story. It was because of the fact that there was no way that anybody who was had already bought the app, like, out, without seeing that, didn't like it never they never even heard of you know this this crab starter thing they just bought the app thought you know played the game for a while i guess and just never shared it with anybody because Mm. they didn't have the story that they could share yeah yeah um and so i guess the kind of takeaway from that is that you should like your app needs a story but it also needs to be something that uh you kind of promote it in the app as well so you know because they promoted in uh cargo butt they promoted the fact that it was made with Kodea because that was the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the first iPad game made with made on the iPad. Yeah. Uh, and for Crabatron, it they didn't do that. Where whereas they could have you know done something in the game if they had a had have planned ahead for that and uh, yeah, because no, they didn't, it you know it basically flopped. That makes a lot of sense. Like I think I think often. Um 
the need to sort of continue communicating with the users of your app after they've purchased it or downloaded it is, you know, is a big need. It, it, you know, in this case, you're sort of saying if uh, Crabatron had had within it uh, ways of communicating the story about the Crab Starter and whatnot, then people who had previously bought it might have shared that story and, and the app may have done better. Mm. But I think just generally, like, you know, um, one of the benefits of the App Store is it's a single place for people to go to get all their apps, um, makes it easy to get your app in front of potentially, you know, millions of potential users. But that's probably yeah. its disadvantage as well. Right, exactly, that you've got Apple mediating your relationship with those users and you don't really know who's using it and once they've got it on their device, you never necessarily hear from them again. So I think it kind of makes sense for any app to sort of have mechanisms in it for you to tell people new things and for you to hear from your users. Yeah, absolutely. And probably make a good, nice little open source library of sort of feed, feedback. There are many. There are? Yes. There you go. I know Can one you app boy. Any? We used App Boy. I'm not sure if I'd recommend it or not, but it definitely does what so you say. What is App Boy? App Boy is like an analytics framework. Um, it also does has a news feed for that exact thing, so you can say, "Hey, check out this new update," or "Check out my other app." Um, so a lot of people use like release notes for that. Mm. Um, Shifty Jelly do a great job with their release notes. They do actually. One comment from one more thing was all the talkers or speakers on stage were saying. Um, oh, what's his name? Lauren Brichter. Lauren Brichter. Lauren Brichter Letter has press. the best release notes. Yeah. I disagree. Shifty Jelly has the best release yes, notes. Yes, indeed. They are better than Lauren Brichter's. Yeah. Letterpress has maybe like one thing that's funny. Yeah. The Whereas, entire yeah. uh, list of Shifty Jelly's release notes is... Yeah. Sometimes I wish that they'd just push out new releases just for more releases. I told them to do that on yeah. Thursday night, actually. Good. Good. Um, I was talking to Russell and I said... You just need to start. Just, I, I, it doesn't doesn't even matter if there's an app to go with it. Just start move writing the logo one pixel to the left. Just start writing, you know, release mm. notes and just mm. sh- sharing release notes with us. Right. So other than uh, we got two highlights there. We got uh, Tokabaka, and we've got Simeon from uh, Two Lives Left. Is that right? Mm. Yes. Got that right. Mm. Uh, was that it? Uh, no, there were the definitely not. There ones. were definitely some more more Man. presentations that were really good. I liked so, um, Dave. What's Dave Wink- Dave Whiskus? Whiskus. He talked about just basically a motivational talk. Yeah. Uh, he sort of told the story of his life and how he moved to Amsterdam to chase a girl. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of blew up in his face. Oh, I was about to say, how did that work out for him? Not too well. Oh, um, sad. So, he moved to Amsterdam within, I think he said... Maybe a week, two weeks. Yeah, it was like ridiculous. Hardly any quick. amount of time since he'd moved there. He lost his job and he went to his, his new missus and said, oh, I'm having a really bad day. I lost my job because I moved to Amsterdam. And she said, well, I don't think we should see each other anymore. <laughs> and so sorry, I shouldn't laugh. That's terrible. I know. That's a, really, that's a really sad story. But he told a story about You're saying how- this was, Sorry, this was a motivational talk? Yes. So it, it gets better. It gets better. It, like, like, this is the idea. Um, from which yes, the, you got to start low, yeah, to really come back. But yeah, so he told a story about how he um, decided to leave Amsterdam because it was all going horribly wrong for him, and he got to the flight, got on the plane, and then had a big panic attack, um, and rushed off the flight. And so the crew chased after him because if someone rushes off the flight, they got to take off their bags. Right. Yes. So it's a big that's, deal. That's kind him. of slightly dodgy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and he told about how he got upgraded to first class. Because the pilot saw, like, you know, he's obviously having a bad day. Um, and then he got taken into the cockpit, which is just 
Isn't that the dream? Mm. It is for me anyway. Um, and yeah. What he, else did he talk he about? Got in to, his talk? He got to talk like he got to talk to this guy for two hours about his job, like his his own job. Uh about how he does app development and stuff like that. And then the pilot turns like is yes. just basically says to him, Man, you have the coolest job. And he's and he says, you know, turn around, man, you're flying a plane. Mm. <laughs> We're at forty thousand feet. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a nice perspective, isn't it? It was uh, yeah. it was a really great talk. It was hard to take notes for that one. Yeah, of yeah. There wasn't much to learn, but it was really good for inspiration. It was just, yeah. It's. I think it's the sort of thing that when the videos come out, you need to watch that one because it's. Uh, I don't think just reading the like. I've got a few notes which are basically just the little phrases that he had, on, had up on the screen, uh, and it just doesn't do it justice. It was it was a really good mm. talk. He's a very good speaker as well. Excellent. Mm. The other one, one I liked was um, Lex. Is it Friedman? Lex Friedman. Yeah. Senior editor of Macworld, right? Yep. Yeah, so he gave a talk on how to pitch, how to pitch your apps. So, oh, right, yep. So that, so that media will cover it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he said he gets. Did you write it down? How many pitches a day on average? It was like four hundred and thirty-seven. I didn't wow. write it down, but which that's means he has. It. That's so much. He said it was exaggerated, but it means he literally, if you work it out, had three seconds per pitch. Right. Yeah. And so he showed some bad ones, which were very wordy, mm-hmm. and he basically just wants you to say. Here's my app. This is what it does. Here's some screenshots if you want to know more. This yeah. Is where to go. So, the main, I think the main takeaway from his talk was, yeah, don't, yeah, do that. Like, you know, uh, provide- Succinct screenshots. Yeah. Concrete. Give the details of, like, the details of the app. Like, you know, what is it? What does it do? Like, uh, what's it called? What does it look like? Um, Promo code? Didn't say he that did you had mention. to give a promo code. He did say he was going to get to that. Never did. Um, I reckon you can't go wrong. Yeah, I, mean, I think one of the, one of the things that he did say is that if you uh, that you can kind of give it to him under like um, under embargo, but you don't just write to him and say, "Hey, you know, here's this is the details. It is I'm giving you this under embargo." Like you have to, you kind of, uh, it's like giving him the bait and then hoping that he bites on mm-hmm. it. So it's like you give, like you say, "Okay, here's this is this is you know about a little bit about the app." Uh, if you want to know more, then, you know, I'll give it to you under embargo. Right. And I guess part of that is also then, you know, providing the app. Because he did say, uh, there was a couple of points where he did say, you know, give me the, the details and the app. Like, um, but there was nothing about, you know, providing the promo code or anything very s- uh, specific like that. Um, but it was really good. Were there any um, really technical presentations or were they all sort of quite... Probably the most technical was the Microsoft guys uh, from from uh, yeah. Azure. Right. He he uh, he was boasting about the fact that he uh, was the only guy to actually get up and open Xcode. Yeah, the Microsoft guy at an iOS conference. That's kind of funny, uh, mind you. He had massive troubles with it. Like he yeah, he couldn't guy. he couldn't get it, it. Like the app kept crashing on him. It was not a good presentation. It reminded me of didn't Bill Gates present Windows and it blue screened on him? Speaking of which, Bill Gates is in town. Is no he? way. He's speaking at the National Press Club and uh, doing Q&A on the ABC. Right. Um, there was one more technical talk. It was from the Camera Plus guy. Oh, yeah. Well, at least technical in that he showed that his work was very technical. He dumped a whole pile of assembler onto the projector, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, right. Uh, I found that really interesting. What's his name? Carl, Carl Van? Uh, Carl Von. Hang on. So, you mean we can't all just code up Camera Plus just like that well he was giving a talk on how you might be scared of taking on a job because it's not what you're used to and because you're scared of change um 
And that was, so he showed how he didn't know anything about image processing at the start of Camera Plus and All was right. nervous about taking on the job. And yet, it's he's obviously worked out very well for him. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's good to hear because um, I can relate to that feeling of, you know, taking on something new and just feeling like, oh, you know, am I going to get my head around this? Yeah. So he gave, he gave a couple of uh, like little kind of tips as well. One of them being that you should uh, prompt users for ratings in the app. Right. Yeah. I've always I've always shied away from that myself because I, th- I always thought that was kind of pushy. No way it works. Um, but it works. Like he gave he he showed a little uh, graph, and I've uh, I copied that down roughly and put it in the. And presumably, you can be smart about how and when you prompt for ratings. Yes, and actually. Um, I was looking as part of writing up my notes for this year um, to to publish. Um, I had a look at my notes from last year because I'm going to publish. Base. I'm going to re. They were re. They were already published. I published them with Evernote, but um, over the course of the year, they've kind of disappeared from the internet. So I'm kind of publishing them up side by side. By side. And one of the talks there from oh, I can't remember his name. Um, he, he talked about how, like, he talked about the same thing, like, asking for people to rate your app. And one of the things that he suggested was you don't, like, you, you actually do some kind of technical work about when you mm. ask for it. Mm. So, you don't just kind of, uh, you don't just go, okay, after the 50th time that they've ever run the app, uh, ask for them for a rating. Because what happens if the 50th time that they've run the app is actually because it just crashed? Yeah. And they come back and it opens up and then you're like- Rate me. Yeah. So, you got to so, look at the duration of the last session of the app in use, what's just happened in this session of the app in use. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, if, the, if there's a, like a known a known thing that you like, you know, about where it's crashing all the time and there's, you yeah. know, and it's causing massive issues, you have a flag uh, that you can set remotely that turns yeah. turns off the rating uh, request, request rating, yeah. completely. And that way, that way you kind of- Protect yourself a little bit about from uh, from you know getting bad bad mm. reviews. Mm. Another thing that I saw about this same sort of thing is um, rather than just straight up asking for reviews, uh, what you do is you ask them if they like the app uh, and if that like if their experience has been good so far, and if it's a yes, then you can you know, you send them off to to give you a rating and if they say no you actually provide them with an interface to send you a, like a support request mm. that's what we do we have that in quick math yeah it's cool. great that's so, great mm-hmm. definitely do it because i think both sides of that would be valuable in the sense that you want your happy customers to be the ones making reviews but it would be so great to be able to actually hear from the frustrated customers like, definitely yeah it works and from really their point well. of view as well like if they have a way that they can actually get send you a question that you can respond to, that's going to be so much more satisfying for them than just ranting in a review where mm. you've got no chance of it. Really. And we definitely read them all. So. Have you guys ever uh, tracked down people who have left negative reviews or questions in reviews? No, but they mentioned I that. I did mention, yeah. yeah. In I've, I've done that in the past. That, like you see someone's username on a review, which is like they post a one star and pose a question or like say something that doesn't have a feature that the app actually has. And then you kind of find that their Twitter name is the same as their iTunes name is like, you know, explain on Twitter. Did you realize that, in fact, it has that feature? I think it can go like either of two ways. They can either be like really pleased that you went to the extra effort of finding them and letting them know and 
appreciative of it, or they can be freaked out that you're like stalking them. Yeah, someone asked this exact question yeah. during the Q and A. And what was the what was the answer? I think the answer was, don't don't, don't do it in out. don't do it in a creepy way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you when you you know phrase your statements yeah. and stuff like that, it's like. I saw your review. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, none of that business. So, you checked out my app. Did you realize that I had this feature? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Cool. Ratings. And so, there's uh, there's, there's actually an open source library for doing that. It's called iRate. I've used it. Um, It's very good. That's actually cool. Mm. Yeah, clever name. iRate and iRate. Yeah. That library, well, that framework really impresses me because it's zero code. You don't even have to call a line to tell it to set itself up. You just put it in your bundle. And that's it. That is it. And it will has default settings. So, you might want to mess with them and you can definitely do that. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how that exactly. works. Exactly. How does that work? They must somehow pull in a notification for app launch. So, I think there's something in NS Bundle from memory. And this is going back from like using this in the weird Java Web Objects version of NS Bundle. Where you can get a notification when a bundle's loaded. That's what I figure it is. But yeah, it's zero code. It would just work if you put it in your bundle. Okay, and I think it's out. after that's kind of cool. Ten launches is the default. Mm. Obviously, you can change all those settings, and they have quite a lot of settings you can change, and it works great. We use it. Cool. So another presentation that I really enjoyed was from Maggie Stekuik. Don't look at me. I wasn't there. Yeah, which, that that, that sounds about? plausible. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I've, I've completely just bungled that, I'm sure. Uh, she talked about prototyping. Oh, cool. Ah, uh, yes, that one was good. Uh, and she kind of, she talked about, you know, the process behind it and why you should do it. Yeah. And gave some tools that you could use to do so. Uh, and it was really good. Like, it was awesome. amazing. And she- of course, I liked it because she's like, you know, sketching is really cool, you guys. It's really good. You should do it. You should sketch. I'm mm. like, yeah, I, I love sketching. I mean, I'm I'm an artist mm. as much as anything else. I, I like to think that I, I'm not an, I'm not an artist at all. I don't even like to think that I'm an artist. But I'm, <laughs> I like to th- I like to think I'm the kind of person that could sketch. Like I like having a little notebook and a pencil, but I don't produce many particularly nice sketches with it and in fact i went out and bought myself a new toy this week i got a uh, pogo connect stylus you guys played with oh uh, yes it's a pressure sensitive stylus for the ipad because i kind of mm. thought that maybe if i had a better stylus i'd do more sketching with my ipad and do like wireframes and stuff i don't think it's the stylus it's the limited see the limited i just limited. i just use pen and paper yeah like I just, uh, I have this picture in my mind of this person sitting at like a cafe with their kind of iPad and their stylus, sketching away, being creative. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, like I'm not going to say that the me. iPad is not a creative tool because it is, um, and the fact that things like Codeir exist uh, is is one of those. But when it comes to art, at this point in time. There is nothing that beat. There's still like it still doesn't beat just straight up pen yeah, and paper. Exactly. Um, well, that's the the touchscreen is massively inaccurate for that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, anyway. yeah. And I actually heard good things about the Microsoft Surface because it is um, pressure sensitive, whereas the uh, um, is it? the iPad screen is not in terms of being better. Well, so, which is what led me to the uh, Pogo Connect because I thought perhaps a pressure sensitive stylus it'll make all the difference between you know uh, it doesn't really. So. 
Adobe is doing so- going to be doing something similar as well. They they have something called Project Napoleon, which they're working on, and who knows if it'll actually get released. Uh, and actually, there's a stylus as well, which I can't remember what it's called. So, the stylus uh, is a pressure-sensitive thing. It's cloud-connected, so when you, like, when you do copy and paste and stuff, it's actually on the stylus, not on the, div- like, on the iPad. Uh and so you can like paste to another so you can iPad paste or to, to another, another device, another device. Wow. Yeah. and I actually showed that as part of the presentation. I actually linked to it. I'll I'll put it in the That's show notes. Cool. Uh, it ridiculous uh, video. Um, the guy says ideate at one point, and I was just like, <laughs> well. Speaking of funky technology, have you guys ever seen? Uh, and I don't know the brand name. There's a pen that comes with a special pad, and um, it allows you to write on the pad. Actual. Paper, paper right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it um, captures and it, the- And it records audio while you're writing. Um, and it captures the, like, it digitizes exactly what you're writing at the same time as well. Um, so then you just connect, the, you actually have to connect it via USB to your computer. But then it captures um, digital imagery of everything that you wrote on the paper and the audio that you wrote at the same time. And so you, you can then get the pen- Subsequently, and flip through the physical notepad and put your pen, tap a word with it, and press a button, and it'll replay the audio that it recorded. That's crazy. When you wrote That's that amazing. Word. Um, so you can use it for taking notes in meetings or for something, and you can just write down, you know, Jelly's just rambling on again, and then you could tap Jelly's rambling on again and listen to, to the whole ramble. Yeah. The whole, yeah, okay. Um, it's pretty awesome. Um, so the other thing, the the, the project Napoleon. Um, that I was talking about isn't actually the stylus. It's the other thing that um, that they announced at the same time, which goes along with it. It's a ruler. It's a short ruler, which is why it's called Project Napoleon. Because he was short. Oh, he was a he short was a ruler. ruler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he, see, he explained that in the video. Right. So, um, that previous app name, well, sorry, framework name, I rate. I rate. Mm-hmm. Clever. Napoleon? No. Lame. Uh, so, but the the, pro, the the idea is cool because there's nothing like this for for uh, you know uh, touch devices at this point in time. So the stylus, there's heaps of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, not necessarily cloud connected, but you know, cool. The ruler is just like this little thing that's about uh, maybe ten centimeters or so long. It looks like. Uh, he places it on the iPad screen and it seems to have like two little kind of touches so that it knows where it is on the screen. Um, and then it actually projects lines and you just draw and all it does, all the soft, the software does the rest by you're not actually kind of holding your pencil like a regular ruler where you hold it and you actually draw along the edge. And, you know, if you accidentally kind of go, you know, you get a big yeah. janky in the middle of it. Um because it's it's kind of snapped to it digitally. Yeah, yeah. And so, you can do all sorts of cool things like create, like, arcs and stuff. Yeah, cool. Uh, cool little thing. It's Who really knows? interesting how interaction is going to continue to change like this. So, we've got this sort of primary interface, which is a multi-touch piece of glass, but then we've got this proliferation of other sort of smart devices that you can use in conjunction with your multi-touch glass to kind of change. Hmm. The future is going to be cool. So, uh, but I still, you know, I still think that uh, as far as anything is concerned, at this time, in, uh, uh, you know. Pen and paper. Pen and paper is the way to go. And then, you know, she was t- saying that you can, uh, uh, that you can take photos and of it and put it into software. Like, uh, one of the ones that she mentioned was Flinto. 
There you go. I've never heard of it. I've used like Prototypes app or um, Briefs we talked about last time. Uh, uh, Xcode, th- there's also like Proto.io. Yeah. There's a whole whole Refined. bunch of them. Refined.io, I think is another one. Yep. Um, there's a bunch. So, she she actually pr- like collected a like an Evernote notebook and uh, published that as part of the talk. And uh, I've put the I've put the link for that into the notes for one more th- the ones that I'm, I've published. Yeah, so cool. um, I'll see if I can throw that into the show notes as well um, because it's just got a list of all their websites. So you can kind of just go through and she's or she's kind of maintained a list of them. This is why I think it's great that there's both conferences like WWDC that Apple run. So you know, first party conferences talking about new frameworks and whatnot, but also sort of community run ones. It sounds like. There is so much to be learnt from listening to other people that are doing this sort of work and just, you know, the techniques they use. The I, I almost use. think that there's more because, I mean, there is there isn't like a lack of Apple dog fooding their own stuff. They don't u- necessarily use all their own APIs uh, because they, I mean, they do to a certain extent. They might like use lower level APIs in order to create the higher level ones that we use and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and... You know, they, so they, but they don't necessarily use all of the stuff that we use, um, you know. And they don't really necessarily share a great deal about their processes. Like, you know, what what techniques they use for prototyping and trying out ideas. And And I think that's really, really helpful. So, having some, somewhere that you can kind of go to, you know, to find out about other people's processes and kind of, you know, discuss that, Mm. like this podcast. Oh, Yeah. That's it's what this is nice. all about. It's important. I think yeah. it's important, uh, which is why this podcast exists. Yeah, and it's. I think it's one why like, there's a whole there's a whole slew of uh, third party uh, conferences around this sort of topic. There are and podcasts and podcasts. There's a lot. Hmm. Did you have any more topics that you liked, Ben? Yeah, I really liked. Um, I don't know her last name, but it was Jamie, and she talked about Newberry. I've got the I've got the notes up right now. You are good. Um, she talked about copy in your app, so text. Right, yes. And how you can make it a bit more exciting. It doesn't always have to be... You see all these um, new age tech companies who use very sort of comedic copy in their apps. And she said it doesn't have to be like that, but it can be. And she gave a a cool sort of template you can use to fill out and try and work out your copy. And was, I thought that it was, was a really Mad Lib. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What was it? It was a Mad Lib. So, I don't know. How do, you, do How do you... Like, what's one Mad Lib? Is it Mad Lib or Mad Libs? I don't know. I don't anyway. even know what it is. You have to explain. Okay, it to you, 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 you've, you will know what it is. You just don't know that that's what it's called. So, have you ever seen those uh, like sentences or stories where they kind of remove words and just leave a space where you can write your own word? Yeah, yeah, that's what a Mad Lib is. All right, cool. Uh, and so, it basically, she she showed up on screen a Mad Lib of you know how to ask for copy. It was, she called it a copy framework. And so, you basically just, it had things like, I, you know, I want copy that tells, uh, that says this, you know, at, and this, it happens at this time. And I can't, I can't remember what it was exactly. Um, but her slides are available, I think. So, you can, you can actually download it and look at so it. So, I, I hadn't realized that this was a thing, right? Like, there are people that write copy for apps. I guess- Maybe I've got a too narrow view of the world. But um, I came across that myself this week in um, 
I saw a new app from the Australian Bureau of Statistics for any Aussies listening. Is this the one where you run uh, a town? Yeah. Run, yeah, called Run Run My Town. Run That Town. Run That run Town. That Town. Yeah. Um, it's pretty awesome. And uh, I happen to follow uh, a lady on Twitter called Lena. I think her name is actually uh, Lena Van Deventer. Uh, she's got a, a blog, grassislena.com. Uh, and she was the copywriter on that app. Um, so she works in the sort of games industry and, um, I, I guess, yeah, heard her sell her posting about the app and, um, her involvement in it and sort of asked, you know, how were you involved? Uh, and she explained that she'd done the copy. Um, it's got kind of cool copy in it. It's, it does. It's you know, very, it's, it's funny. It's, it's funny and ironic. Kind of, it's kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it kind of dawned on me having realized that, that this is a job, right? To write copy for apps, um, that that can make a big difference to the experience of using it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we were talking earlier about Shifty Jelly, right? They're co- writing copy in their release notes. Right. And that's one of the, the things that yeah, she, she, she pulled up. That. She pulled up um, recently, I think it was uh, Yelp. Yes. That put up her, like they had a, a release notes that was like, you know, all this is happening in the world. So, we thought we'd, you know, add to it by releasing a new update on Yelp. It was on, a on new Yelp. Star Trek and a possible yeah. waffle from Taco Bell or something. Very Yeah. American so, they just kind of random random items and all this is happening. So, we just thought we'd, you know. Uh, you know, we'd we'd release Yelp, and it's just like it's just like this random random text, and it was it, I'd I'd kind of seen it before, but you know, she was like, you know, this is the sort of thing that you can do. It's like you don't have to make your your update notes you know dry and yeah, of course, and just and boring. And you I can actually put some personality in. Look, I, I think it's rare for developers to think about this sort of thing. Yeah, to, um, you know, certainly I think user interface designers, developers, people working on apps do put thought into the. You know the calls to action, the text that appears in apps, and things like that. But in terms of actually thinking of it as copywriting and looking to engage with someone who focuses on that, um, did she give any tips like how, you know, how big an operation do you need to be before you get a copywriter involved? Like, she didn't. She just- didn't really give any of that sort of detail, but she yeah. did say like the the idea behind this template is that you don't. I mean, if you if you can't afford to get somebody in to write your copy for you, then this is a this template is a good way of kind of keeping you in check as you write you write your different little bits and pieces mm. so you write one of these templates for every bit of copy that you require um uh, which you know is a lot for for many apps like i can just thinking about progressions makes me f- weak uh and you, you use this as a kind of a, as a basis so that you can refer back to it and mm. you always think you think really carefully about so what your personality just is about for being more conscious like about it and thinking it yeah. yeah and it's like and she just and she said you know like you know copy is a, a is a fast cheap and easy way to delight your users like you can have you know the you, ha- you can you can hire a designer to you know make you make great design like make the app look pretty uh you can you know work really hard to make sure that all the bugs are are gone you can you know make sure that it's all very very polished and the mm. features are fit like there's you know bountiful features but if you've got if you've got great copy like you don't need you don't necessarily need all of that mm. you, you like because your users will appreciate will appreciate yeah. the fact that you're you're and thinking, you've got personality you know like as a user myself the apps yeah i, I can none are coming straight to my mind at the moment but i can remember a number of occasions where just you feel that little bit of delight from using an app and reading a nice little turn of phrase and thinking that just uh, it's when the personality it's it's as if the app has a personality and it comes through yeah um, as opposed to just like it being lacking in personality and she said like you know she she kind of uh she pulled up to famous people on the screen it was oprah 
and it was Bjork. Who's Oprah? Sorry. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, you know, they're not, they're, they're very different, right? Their personality is very different and it's the same with apps. Like, mm. you can have an app that's, like, professional and uh, and and fairly serious, but and still like still make it fun and yeah. kind of light and and you know not not dry. Yeah. Uh, but then you could you've also got like the the ones that are like really, uh, you know, playful and and a little bit crazy. And the the example that she had for you know for that was uh, I don't know which website it was, but it was a sign in page, and it said it basically had your username password and then they had this big button and instead of saying like go or log in or something like that it just said mustache yeah <laughs> like with an who cares? everyone point. knows what it is yeah exactly just hit yeah. the button yeah. yeah go in and yeah. it just provided a bit of yeah comedy comedic relief hmm. so uh nice. you know it's it's like it's all you need to do is just basically put some some thought, thought into, into it. it and i thought that was uh i thought that was really clever and i'm i'm glad that you brought that up ben yeah hmm. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like there was some really interesting and a, a diverse mix of sessions. Um, you guys are not making me feel at all regretful of my decision not to attend. At least you could, took good notes. I did. I did take very good notes. I put a lot of effort into that. I did. I didn't take notes during the Q and A session this year. I just didn't. I yeah. didn't think it was. You want to be able to listen, mate? I, I didn't necessarily like last year. It wasn't necessarily. Uh, there was a few kind of comments in there, but there wasn't a whole lot, so I didn't. I didn't even yeah. really bother to pull them out. Uh, the, out the notebook this year, uh, really, you know, the the ones that they kind of talked about were pretty memorable. Things like, um, you know, the them saying, you know, about tracking down the uses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, looks like we're probably out of time for me to tell you the exciting things I got up to. Tell us about the tell us about the exciting things you got up to. Uh, well, actually, one thing I have been enjoying playing with uh, is Mapbox. I saw that on Twitter, actually, yeah. Mill. See, I, I, I knew about Mapbox combination of before you, I saw you started playing with it, but I've never I've never used it. I've kind of always gone, okay, if I ever make a, na- a, a Maps app, I'm going to yeah, consider it looks, that. Yeah, it looks good. So, Mapbox is a, um, a service for creating your own maps. Um, it will host your map tiles for you, your map data. Uh, it provides a nice web interface for interacting with a map. It also has an iOS SDK, uh, which is basically like a replacement of MapKit. Um, so yep. it has the similar interactions of being able to pan around, zoom in and out. Um, unfortunately, one limitation at the moment that's bugging me is you can't rotate the map. It will automatically rotate to f- display the map based on the heading, the cur- your current heading. Um, but if you're not using it to track your location, you're just using it to display a map. Yep. Um, there's no way at the moment for users to pan around. I'm uh, sorry, to rotate it around. Um, but other than that, it's a really nice kind of faithful recreation of the map kit, um, kind of UI. Um, but with custom tiles, right? So you can provide your own imagery, your own map data. So it could be that you just want to present a map of a, a geographical region in a different visual style. Um, it could be that you're wanting to show a historical map. So yeah, I think that's of, what you will use. Yeah, so I was just sort of having a bit of a mess around with it and looking at some historical maps and um, using it to display them sort of on top of uh, current day maps. Yep. So it uses OpenStreetMap data if you want to just use it as a replacement for MapKit. 
um, or Google Maps SDK. Yep. You can use Mapbox and with OpenStreetMaps. Um, and they've also got an app called Tile Mill, which is a Mac app that allows you to author your custom map tiles. Um, so you can very easily add um, bitmap images, so a geocoded TIFF, um, or you can add sort of vector data, sorry, you can add point data to it. Like if you've got um, a spreadsheet of uh, scientific observations from various places around, um, you can add that to your map and then use um, something that's very similar to CSS. It's called Carto as a way of styling the map. So you can say, you know, how it should display different different point data how it yeah, should okay. display different things so you can yeah you could have like if you've got different kinds of restaurants and you wanted to have a different icon for each of the different yeah, ones exactly you could style them that way yep and you can also think do things about different zoom levels so you can yep. exclude or include features depending on how closely you're zoomed in um so it's really cool and the day literally the day after i started playing with it uh they announced via their blog that they're actually completely rewriting the whole thing to be vector-based so right. um, I was blown away with how cool it was as a bitmap-based tool, and yep. I think it's useful as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, there's a version available on like a development branch on GitHub that you can download of TileMill, um, which is the vector-based version. So you can create custom vector tiles and then use the Mapbox uh, web service to serve them up, um, to browse them via the web, and use the Mapbox uh, SDK within your iOS apps to use your own custom vector tiles. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, which is funky. Yeah. So, and I mean, you don't have to go to that like to, to the full length of you know creating all your own stuff. I mean, it's it was they uh, allow you to just change like colors and stuff. So right, if you've yeah. got a so brand, you, exactly. you want to make it yeah. kind of match. You so can you do can that. use the open open street map data and just use the sort of Carto styling to sort of change the. It's a CSS style language to change the styling of everything. So if you want your streets to be a different color and your parks to be a different color and your buildings to be a different color, or if you just want to like, um, you know, if you want to give your own design treatment to the map, uh, yeah. the map data, it's really quick and easy to do that. Um, yeah, I'd recommend everyone checking it out, even if you're just doing web mapping or if you're doing um, iOS stuff. Yeah, very cool. Mapbox. Mm. Not quite as exciting as one more thing, but you know. definitely not as not quite as exciting for, as one more thing. What so, so just to kind of wrap up, I think it'd be awesome if we, you know, maybe maybe we could just kind of uh, give a little bit of an overview of how how you thought every like how you thought everything went. I thought it was really good. If I took one message from it, it's that you got to tell a story with your app. So it's you need more than just having an app because these days anyone can make an app. It's more about what you're presenting outside the app as well as the actual features. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good, and uh, like I, I kind of had had a takeaway that uh, you know it's it's like it's okay not to not to focus on just kind of okay I need to put this feature in and this feature in and this feature in and this feature in. Um, it's all right just to kind of make it the best app it can be without having to add new features. Um, I thought that was really kind of poignant, but overall, I think the the whole experience was great. There was less people, I think, this year than last year. Um, we were in a smaller room, and it was still only about maybe half full. Yeah, yeah. The room was really nice, though. The room was Give nice. It had like Tron lights and stuff. It was really cool. Nice. Um, it was a very fancy looking room, and it was a it was a great venue. Um, but yeah, it was uh, like there were, I think there were less people there this there this year, and I think that's a real sad thing because. 
Yeah, um, I, I was certainly sad not to be there, but um, because yeah. I think I I think that uh, it's it it really is getting uh, getting better and better every year. Hmm. Um, you know, because they they, they keep bringing in great uh, great speakers, hmm. uh, and and who knows, maybe they'll invite us next year that we can talk. We're going to put a couch on stage. We're going to put a couch on stage. Awesome. Well, well I guess I'll have to turn up to that one then. Yes, you will. Yeah, otherwise your spot on the couch will be empty. Yeah. Good. No, one, no one would notice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just draw a picture of you and like a, yeah. on a paper plate or yeah. something and just kind of stick it to a broom. Mm. Yeah, good, good. So, I think that's really all we've got time for. Look, we've got lots of there's lots of show notes uh, because you know there's lots of notes from one more thing. Uh, I will put a kind of a selection of stuff that we mentioned on the show in the show notes today. But I'll also link to the show note the the not the show notes the. The, the conference notes, which I took uh, throughout the course of the conference, uh, and I'll link to those as well. That'll be the first link in the show notes for you. Uh, you can find all of that at mobilecouch.co forward slash nine, because I think this is the ninth episode. Excellent. You can also get in contact with us. Uh, tell us what your favorite thing was about. One more thing, if you were there. Uh, tell us if you plan to go next year, if you weren't there. Do you plan to go next year, Jack? Indeed. There you I go. plan to go every year. Right. Right, I see how that works. So if you wanna if you wanna get in touch with us, you can do that via email. We have a form on the website, uh mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. You fill a form out, it sends all three of us an email and we we read them all. And we love reading them all. Indeed. And um following up on a theme we touched on earlier in the show, uh, if you're enjoying this show. Tell us on iTunes. Yeah, rate uh, it on iTunes. If you're not enjoying the show, tell us through our feedback form. Yeah, so send if, us an email. If you'd like to rate the show, uh, we have a we have a special link that will take you directly to the iTunes page, which is mobilecouch.co forward slash iTunes. There's a theme in all these links. I don't know if you're if you're if you're getting it, but it's there. Uh, you can also talk to us on Twitter. We will also talk to you there. Uh, ben is at Ben. Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. Jake is J McMullen, J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. Indeed. And I'm back on app.net. Both of them are on app.net under those same names. And I am at Soup on Twitter and just at Jelly on app.net. Thank you all for listening. It's been, uh, it's wonderful as always to talk to you. And we will, we look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks when we get to Double digits, I guess. Bye. See ya. Bye.